I, I didn't even want to spend a lot of time on COVID and vaccination and all the heads in our country who won't get vaccinations. They're like, I don't want you guys worship Dr. Fauci. Meanwhile, they go to the doctor and get they'll take horse dewormer yeah. from a doctor. You know, like I heard Joe Rogan was saying, he 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 says, "What do you what do you bust in my balls?" I've got I took, COVID. Yeah, he and goes, I'm "I taking took a horse, horse dewormer." Yeah, and a doctor gave it to me. Like, well, a doctor would also give you a vaccine. So why <laughs> why, why why take horse dewormer? I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, it's like uh, we don't want to take this vaccine. We got it was always mandatory when I went to school. Measles, mumps, you name it, polio. You had to have we took a whatever slew. vaccines they had. But you notice in every single case when all this anti-science goes right out the window when people end up in the emergency room and they can't breathe. And then they go, I should have taken the vaccine to every one of them. There's never been one that said, I'm so glad I'm that done. I refuse. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so happy that I can't breathe. This is a wonderful way to die. It was worth it because I didn't take the vaccine. All I'm doing is speaking common sense. We have a cure for this dreaded covid and we're not taking it, take it, make people take it the same way we take polio vaccines and every other vaccine. They're the minority. They do not have the majority opinion about the vaccine. Most of us get it. Do we want to take vaccines for no reason? No, we don't want to take vaccines. We just want to just want to live. And this is something that's now been proven to work. Enough of us have taken it. If you had any hesitation, you can see we all lived. We're doing fine. Guess what? When we get COVID, we don't end up in the hospital, so we don't overload the hospital. So what did I say? I said, we have no time for idiots in this country anymore. We don't want you. We want you to all either go to the hospital and or stay home, die there with your COVID. Don't take the cure, but don't clog up our hospitals with your COVID when you finally you know get it. Stay home. Don't bother with science, it's too late. Go f yourself, we just don't have time for you. I know the beginning sound clip of this episode is grim, but it's how I feel as well, and I think it should get publicity anyway. I'm joined with Marty Abraham, the a guy who um, I took his animation class, I think, in 2016 or summer 2016. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah. And um, and I remember uh, you um, as witnessing you in person. I was like, this person has a lot to tell and say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I just, I, I sometimes like see interesting stuff you post on Facebook, and um, I was a while ago, I went, I saw on your feed that you were featured in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh yeah, I have a lot, a lot of, uh, a, a lot of things that are I, I've been associated with, you know. Um, I consider myself an outsider of the insiders. <laughs> I've always been around celebrity. I had two uncles that worked with D. Martin, Jerry Lewis, you know, and then later on went only with D. Martin. Prior to that, they worked with a gangster actor 
uh, clay gangsters named George Raft, major star in the Bogart days, you know? Um, so I grew up around this, though I had a very modest childhood living in Brooklyn and growing up. And uh, the idea uh, that I was always around, D. Martin, Jerry Lewis, was very impressionable to me as a young kid. In fact, I thought so often that I really uh, was that character that Jerry Lewis uh, uh, played, you know? Um, anyway, I had two uncles, my mother's brothers, and they um, worked. One was a stunt double for D. Martin. Uh, the other, and, and a fight gaffer and doing bit parts in movies, my Uncle Joey. And the other uncle, my mother's other brother, the older brother, uh, his name was Mac Gray, uh, Joe Gray, Mac Gray. Mac was the right-hand guy to D. Martin. Uh, they were inseparable, 30 years, you know. Uh, but anyway, as a, a, a kid, um, when I was going to art school, I went to the School of Visual Arts. In fact, I haven't even explained who I am or, or no, but we'll get art to is in animation, but that's another, you, you asked the question. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so when I was in art school, my mother was very concerned, what's going to become of my Marty, quote unquote, uh, to her brother, my Uncle Joey. And he said, you know, they're making a lot of, a lot of movies out here now. This is the, the mid-60s, you know, a lot of uh, 60 type teenage movies and such. Uh, he could always come out here and work. And sure enough, um, you know, like I could have a career. They, they were questionable what my art <laughs> would, would, would become, you know. I was studying painting and I, I personally didn't get into animation uh, until, uh, you know, uh, my, my last year at SBA. But anyway, put that aside. Um, so anyway, there I was, mid-60s out in California, and I started to pick up um, a lot of bits, a lot of background work, you know, uh, and some special business now and then. Oh God, I worked everything from, and I'm a little embarrassed to tell people, but people think it's so wonderful. I worked Planet of the Apes. Wow. I'm in the cage. Uh, in fact, I have a picture right behind me. I, I know see it. this is a podcast, but you can see it. Yeah, I see I'll it. I'll show it to you later, where I was a human. And I worked, oh God, a couple of weeks on that movie, but... Every few days through the cliche essential casting, I would be working in movies. Some pictures, I did more business than others, right? Uh, one of them, oh, great movie. I always wound up on the posters. Oh, wow. Movies that I was in. Uh, there's a cult movie called Wild in the Streets. No one over 30 could be trusted. Great. Uh, you know, kind of B-movie, teenage riot, uh, psychedelic takeover, you know. Uh, I'm in that movie, Planet of the Apes. Oh, God, I 
party scenes on the monkeys. In fact, an animation director, Joe Horn, uh, discovered me in a Batman. <laughs> well, well, the Adam Wasp one? Batman television show where Adam I'm dancing in, in, in it's called the Pink Disco or something. And there I am dancing and Batman and Robin are in the background. This is the Adam West one, right? Say what? The Adam West Batman? Yeah, the original. Oh, okay. no. I'm talking 60s here. That's when, you know, yeah. it's my summer job. To yeah. That. I said I grew up modest, needed money for art school. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, you know, anyway. Uh, so I was doing... Uh, yeah, yeah, player. work. I was doing day player. I was doing background. Um, and during the summers, Dean Martin, now we come back to really answer your question. Yeah. In case you want to edit it, you can pick no, it up. No, I'm not, right I'm here. not, I'm not. This is gold. Uh, okay. So, anyway, because Michael's worked with Dean, uh, they, uh, Dean Martin would be doing these Matt Helm spoof James Bond type spy fun movies with D. Martin's personality. And they would always throw me a bit where I made a little bit more money. So God, you could see me in the silences, um, quite a few of them. But anyway, he did one one summer, um, once upon a time in Hollywood, I did a bit in one of them called Wrecking Crew. And in the Wrecking Crew stars Dean Martin, uh, Sharon Tate, bless her, unfortunate. Yep. Uh, the history there, you know. Um, and in a scene, me. <laughs> so I like to think it's the, it's the team of Martin and Martin. Um, and, and I should mention, Dean Martin, since I'm four years old, knew me. When I was a little kid, I told you Jerry Lewis was impressionable. So I would always do, um, I wasn't imitating Jerry Lewis. I really acted like that in real life. Like, ah, hello, lady. You know what I mean? I could do that really great. Uh, but I thought that was a reality for me. So when I met Jerry Lewis at four, he, he was like very standoffish that, you know, this little kid, and I don't want to use, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> in, uh, you know, politically incorrect right. about me. But anyway, he broke my heart. <laughs> he was my idol. And D. Martin was so sweet to me. He consoled me. He was so nice to me. So here I am, four years old, cut to me at 20. Uh, 19, 20 years old, here I am on the set of uh, another Dean Martin, Matt L movie. And because Dean was a major star, uh, they took care of the kid, meaning me. And Dean always, always referred to me as nephew uh, because he had, no one was closer to Dean than my Uncle Mac. Joey made a living doing his stunt doubling and and, and, and other stuff. So anyway, here I am in a scene, I'm playing a bellhop. And like now we'll cut to the scene. It's uh, Sharon Tate, D. Martin, hotel check-in, 
and I'm the bellhop. And what do you think happens? She does a pratfall and trips over the bag that I'm supposedly the bellhop for and there's business. But in the scene, it's only really us three. Obviously, it's only about Dean and Sharon. Uh, and sure enough, 50 years later, it's a featured scene, not just background. You'll go, oh yeah, it's quick, but oh yeah, yeah, look, there's Marty, uh, meaning me. So anyway, 50 years later, which is a year or two ago, right? Um, I'm, I actually visiting my son in LA and um, God, you never thought I would have such a long answer for this question. I like uh, that it is. Uh, but anyway, no, this is good. I like talking about it. Yeah. By the way, my son is a major actor. I don't even know if you know that. You told John, me. Yeah, John I remember. starred in 50 starring movies, John Abrahams. And um, he also directed three features. And um, people know him quite well, J-O-N Abrahams. Anyway, I was coming out to L.A. Um, a couple of summers ago to visit John. And I was thinking, reminiscing to myself, oh, when I was in my 20s, I would come out, Michael Joey would be waiting for me at LAX or whatever. And I would start to work in these movies every summer. Oh my God, you could see me with Elvis and besides the D Martin and just you know, every other day working in another movie. Anyway, I land in LA, I'm reminiscing about the time I was there. Talk about once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, and sure enough, my cousin, Robert, he, he's amazing with family history and stuff. Texas man says, I can't believe it. You're in the trailer for once upon a time in Hollywood. And here I am. I just landed in LA, click my phone on. So it's like, uh-oh, the spooky spirits of the ancestors are getting through. You know, uh, working in movies, we always considered it a family business. No matter what kind of small bits or John starring, just a way to make a buck in our family, if you could gather that, you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sure enough, here I am in the trailer for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it's like, oh, my God. And I show my son, John, John, look. Uh, I'm in the trailer and John's first thing that he says, we didn't know if they're using the original scene or Tarantino, that's his movie we're talking about. Yeah. Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino, brilliant yeah. film about Sharon Tate. That's why the scene's in the movie. And um, sure, sure enough, um, John says, oh, I would have played you. That's funny, but it was real, the real scene. Um, there's also a lobby card of that scene that I was in and you can see Sharon, I mean, uh, the, the actress, Margot, looking up at uh, the, the lobby card and then her, the actress, Margot, watching her character, supposedly Sharon Tate, yeah. working in the real D. Martin uh, movie. And Quentin Tarantino, I even saw an interview with him where he's so excited. 
oh, I was able to use that original scene. And then he was wondering, I wonder what she was like doing it. And uh, hey, all I could tell you is she hit her marks, set her lines, and <laughs> it was wonderful. And there I am, wound up. Could you imagine 50 years later and something that you do winds up being a bit in, in one of the most prestigious films of all time. You know, I know. Unbelievable. But anyway, I'm glad you asked. It's unthinkable how like large scale, like unfathomable it is. Just weird. You know, life is full of a lot of destinies that kind of hit you when you least expect it, I would think. You yeah. Know? Uh, Absolutely. Something to say, hey, you know, uh, like Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Truth or fiction. Anyway, I have a million stories like that. Yeah, that we're, we're going to get to them. I was yeah, the reason so, uh, now to answer what you were talking about, your background of being an animator. I'll brought you on mainly to discuss the overlaps between comedy and cartoons. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you started me off talking about my acting because acting to me, like I said, I started out being the cartoon version of Jerry Lewis as like a four-year-old kid who would be entertaining all the relatives and doing my Jerry Lewis imitation. Um, if you know who I mean, very, very over the top comedy. Yeah. Uh, sight gag. Yeah. Um, and a certain kind of comedy that you do find in, um, in, in people like Jim Carrey, Jerry Lewis, Robin Williams. Yeah. Uh, God, I could keep over the top. Michael Keaton. Um, over the top. Yes. In uh, a Beetlejuice. Yeah. That's one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Totally over the top, almost cartoony. All right. Now yeah. there's a history of comedy and animation that uh, has a lot more importance than people realize what we take for granted, whether it's the old Looney Tune gags or whether it's stuff right now on market, um, um, you know, Adventure Time. Yeah, or, yeah, 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 Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Rick and Morty. Uh, these gags really stem from the original conception of what animation, cartoon animation, and comedy began as. Um, I teach animation at School yeah. of Visual Arts, and I've been doing it for 50 years, uh, believe it or not. Um, somehow, uh, yeah, very fortunate, because I love giving to people um, to excite, remember to remember what, what, what's most important about, about what your desire is, live your dreams, uh, make art, you know? I'm, uh, I'm also an artist. I was trained as a fine artist from the day I picked up crayons. I was doing my own drawings and, and my own uh, infatuation with comic books, and collage, and I seem to always be putting that back into my work. Uh, whether in animation or motion graphics or even a drawn animation, 
is always the idea of layering and putting in different layers. So on a visual layer level, animation is experimental and it's layering and it's collage. And uh, you can see in my resume, we pioneered a lot of that for music video, for corporate stuff, children's programming. Um, anyway, put that aside, I had always had a love for entertainment and I always had a love for drawing. So the idea of combining um, animation with drawing, I always thought I would make uh, experimental, not experiment, personalized images. The same way you paint, you could do that with animation, but life plays tricks on you. What happens is you wind up doing things in spite of what you ever thought. So I wound up doing a lot of uh, very cool hip television stuff, show called Make-A-Wish in the early 70s. Uh, I, I assisted my friend, a brilliant animator, Al Jono, uh, on his Sesame Streets. Uh, and I did a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of gigs, you know. Um, and I worked with teams of people. When I came from animation and my work in video uh, was always about uh, working with multiple teams of people. Uh, Mateo, you're so lucky. I, I spoke to you the other day. You, you learn a couple of programs. You could do everything yourself. I've been doing so it. They're, all, they're yeah. all so short. They're all like two minutes, but they're, I can do everything on it. Right. I know where me, I was working with my editor, Wayne. Hi, brilliant editor, my team of cameramen. Uh, we were like a video rock and roll band shooting punk bands. Uh, did work for the Stones. Anyway, I'm going off into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, let's get back now. It's <laughs> the uh, comedy aspect of animation. But the two aspects of my life where I had to make a living coming. Now I'm doing my fine art. I'm showing in galleries. And I still try to do bits in movies. And, and I've done some bits in a couple of pictures um, recently that my, my son has directed dialogue, you know, and I, 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 I was featured on Boardwalk Empire. So I had this acting thing. I, I was the number one hobo. They, you need a bum? Call me. I wind up playing bums. <laughs> I was five years on Boardwalk Empire. I was a bum. So anyway, I always had the acting. I always had the art. So the combination of two led me to discover animation. Now, to answer your question, animation and comedy goes back to the silent comedies. Okay. Um, and you got Charlie Chaplin. You got Busty Keaton. By the way, two directors as well as actors. They yep. all did their, their own, uh, if you ever saw scripts, it wouldn't be, it would be a script. One, Tramp walks in room, trips over banana peel. Two, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And all these gags were written out. And every time they rolled, there was another gag. And that's how these movies came to be. Um, on the onset, and then Harold Lloyd, Buster Keaton, brilliant. I mean, I hope your audience researches this. You, you, you know this. Mateo, at least the third, least the third will. Yeah, Mateo, I know you as a great artist, great Thank you. animator. 
I know you that that you're doing comedy and stand up, so you could appreciate the idea of of how important roots are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, you 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 know who Sid Caesar is. You know who Mel Brooks is. You know Carl Reiner. You you know the idea that all these great great comedians wound up being writers. Yeah. Early television. Um. Anyway, let me get. And they all knew the beginnings, the roots. So anyway, all your silent films are gags. And all the early animation had the same purpose. They would copy the gags that they saw in the great silence. Now, to get back to when I, you know, I am the outsider of the insiders. My uncle Joey had a friend named Frank Tashner. And I was young and I didn't realize who really Frank Tashlin was. He was a great director and I knew him. Yes, he directed a lot of the great D. Martin, Jerry Lewis movies that are exactly like cartoons. Every gag there, he directed uh, some of the uh, Jerry Lewis solo movies and they're all gags. They're all cartoons. And the last time I spoke to him, I was just about getting into animation. And I yeah. still didn't know how much, how important he was in animation. Not to mention one of the great film directors of the 60s comedies. Uh, what did he do? The girl- Blazing Saddles. Uh, no, I'm not talking Mel Brooks. I'm talking oh, okay, okay. Frank Tashlin. Okay. Frank Tashlin started out as a animation director at Looney Tunes. He directed all the Porky Pigs. He had a history in animation and he became uh, one of the most brilliant comedic directors. Yes, he certainly influenced Mel Brooks and the guys, but the idea of the gag film comes from cartoons and especially with over the top comedians. Now, Frank Tashlin, um, I wish I knew what I knew now about him when I was able to speak to him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because he really, truly did those wacky Looney Tunes. And, and, the one, and when I said to him, hey, I'm getting into animation. It was my last year at art school. Uh, I spoke to him, my Uncle Joey had, um, uh, uh, passed away, so I had to call him. Um, he said, you know, I used to carry around a little notebook. And when I would go to see the silent movies before he got into animation, he would write a list of all the gags and he kept a notebook. And for every, his whole career, hey, audience, go check out Frank uh, Tashlin. Um, yeah, wonderful that whatever he put in cartoons is so predominant in his live action, uh, films as well. The Martin Lewis, the Doris Days, the, um, girl can't help it. Brilliant. But anyway, the idea of the sight gag in animation, um, before they really got into heavy story. Now it's all about story. It was all about gag uh, situation. 
there's two kinds of animation, even today, uh, for television. They're scripted segments for tele for sequences, yeah. and then there's innovative with just a treatment, and then the animators take it and run. That's pretty much how they built the Looney Tunes back then. Oh, Porky Pig at the bullfights. Okay. Oh, we'll have a scene here with this, and then we'll do that. And you know, it was all gags, and they kept notes of their gags. And if they didn't put it in one cartoon, they put it in another. I spent some time with with another Looney Tune animator, Bob Clampett, and he would tell me that also. Same thing. Um, in fact, Bob Clampett idolized one of uh, that other uncle of mine, the Mac Gray guy, because when he was with George Raff, uh, he had a nickname, Mac Killer Gray. And sure enough, Bob Clampett said to me, you know, I named a character after your uncle. And it was like, what? And in what's buzzing, buzzing, the little buzzing, the baby one that becomes the nemesis, the bugs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the mother calls him killer. Killer. Yeah. And it's funny because Bob Clampett told me that was my uncle. Now, does your audience know who Bob Clampett is? You should. He probably is the one who invented Bugs Bunny. But anyway, yeah. Um, strange. Like I told you, I'm the outsider or the insider. Yeah. Uh, and sure enough, hey, I have the same history with all my rock and roll life, too. That should be a separate episode. Yeah, yeah, you know. But anyway, um, just to reiterate, uh, imagine um, I like over-the-top comedy. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's something in acting called dramatic irony, which is another kind of comedy. I call it that, where the character breaks the fourth wall and a lean forward and go, hey, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Mateo, what do you think about that? And then steps back. So he's addressing the audience. A guy who's great like that is Steve Carell. He has great. great yeah, yeah, he does. In the office, he can lean forward and give you a sigh. Hey, Bugs Bunny did that too. Um, we're, you know, more, um, more subtle inward yeah, yeah. comedy Buster Keaton you could you could read it in his face you know um I'm trying to think yeah. of like contemporaries that would do it um yeah wonderful um I think in any art form you gotta know yeah. who the classics are and who's important I mean Mel Brooks my god genius uh yeah genius and you know what it all comes down to comedy what? and animation? You know what? what they both have in common is timing. Timing and objectivity. Yes, you mean objectivity and what? A character has to be motivated. No, no, I mean it like it's a category of like, well, I mean it's a category. Like it, it, it's a defined set of something. Yes, yes. They also, any acting, whether it's a cartoon, or whether it's a, um, um, uh, you know, a live action, 
Yeah. Uh, a character has to be motivated. Yeah. Motivation. I mean, any actor will say to the director, what's my motivation? You know, what's going to be the driving force? Uh, the goal. What happens if I do something? Yeah, I got it. Um, but timing. Oh timing my God. is so important. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm very impressed. And, and of course, I think of it as a family business. My son, John, has wonderful comedic timing. Uh, and I think it's it's a natural inheritance. Oh, he, he's the boyfriend in Scary when he was younger. Scary movie. Um, uh, the timing he did and meet the parents. He plays Bob's kid. But anyway, he understands timing. Uh, maybe it's because of, of being so aware of animation as well. Uh, oh, Frank Tashlin is a great example of the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk about this for a little bit. You were, I was, you'd mentioned uh, I, all, a lot of the guys you talked about had their own cartoons, be it the Mal Brooks baseball shows to Jerry Lewis. Will the real Jerry Lewis please sit down? Jim Carrey had his own short-lived cartoon. and Yes. Yes, you're right. I'm so happy you bring that up. Absolutely. Um, yes. Um, Mel Brooks, you, you, you might not know it. Mel Brooks and Carl, the, the, one of the greatest television shows. Of, remember, when I was a kid growing up, there was three television yeah. channels, two local stations, okay? Uh, and the local stations was your only chance to see cartoons. Yeah. Um, the three major stations had variety shows in the 50s. One of them was the Sid Caesar show. D. Martin and Jerry Lewis had their Colgate comedy hours and they would do shtick, just like Saturday yeah. Night Live, okay? Um, Sid Caesar's show featured writers such as Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner. Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner did a skit called The 2,000-Year-Old Man. It's hysterical. Uh, yeah, and, and in a very ethnic uh, dialect. Yeah, I know. Uh, I've seen it. I tell you, I don't. I want to be politically correct, I which I find uh, that kind of fun would be a little bit. A lot of Mel Brooks could be pol politically mm -hmm. incorrect now, but I don't. It's comedy. Same with a lot of cartoons. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, you know, there, there's limits. But anyway, Mel Brooks and Carl Ryan, a two thousand year old man. Oh my God, it's such a great skit, and it was an animation. And Mel Brooks even did another cartoon, early uh, 60s, and it's an abstract film. And Mel Brooks is narrating it. And it's like, oh, where did I spend my money to see this? It's a short while abstract shapes are moving around. Oh, it's great. So yes, he really had fun making this animation. Uh, I think online you could see. Uh, no, I've seen, I've seen it online. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, look at Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein. Uh, oh, yeah. Young Frankenstein's a great example we, we didn't bring up. Yeah. Amazing gags and cartoon realities and 
uh, over the top, uh, everything uh, he did. Um, History of the World, part two, oh my God, Spaceballs. It's all, it's all wonderful. There's a word, the old Vavoyan comedic, so he said, stick. Stick, yeah. They know how to make stick. I was directing a music video uh, for a band, an 80s band um, called The Flirts, the early 90s. And I happened to use Sylvia Miles. She did me a favor. She's in the video. And the first thing Sylvia said to me, great comedian actress. She was nominated for Academy Award, um, Sylvia Miles. And she said, Marty, what's my business? What business do I got? And that fascinated me. Here, a wonderful actress is asking me, what's my business? Well, okay, I'll do this. I'll do that. Uh, yes, it's all timing. Uh, and Mel Brooks, my God, those movies are impeccable. Oh, I know. With, with comedic timing. Hey, Jim Carrey. The Mask. He, uh, the Mask is totally a Tex Avery cartoon audience. Every name I drop, check it out. Tex yeah, no, Avery. honestly, they made the Jim Carrey cartoon because of the Mask cartoon because of that movie. Yes. The Saturday morning stuff. And then yeah. the Jerry Lewis, you know, I don't think you could interpret how good a living cartoon of the real Jerry Lewis is. If you see the nutty professor, well, that's, he's a little serious in that one, believe it or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. But or any of the ones with D. Martin where he plays uh, the sidekick who's like, eh, you, you know? Uh, wonderful. I don't think a cartoon show for Jerry Lewis does it justice. It doesn't. Uh, because it's so active. It, it's like he's here, he's there, he's running around, you know? I was doing research for like the last day and a half trying to find every like public figure in that decade that has a cartoon. The one that stood out the most, I want to ask you about, like if you even know about it, I remember being an adult, adult swim and being a bizarre choice to pick. Uh, another thing to reference, and I never knew this until recently, is Jim Carrey was doing stand-up out in L.A. at the Comedy Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's well known. He was in Living Color. Okay, uh, no, no, I'm not. No, I know all that. My son worked with those guys. In uh, okay, okay. Johnny was lucky to work with the Wayne Brothers. Uh, scary movie. I mean... Oh, you're thinking Amazing. of the Wayne Brothers. That's a cartoon. But uh, I'm not talking in living color. I'm talking, uh, there was a pilot, uh, and then it had a, a, a one season where it's about an animation studio. Oh, and Jim Carrey was in it. And Jim Carrey is the animator who winds up getting a television show about a duck. Do you know this? Yeah, they parodied in the Family Guy. They did. Yeah, oh, isn't that funny? That I would love to see that. But yeah, he. It's. A, I saw the pilot. I was. I was on YouTube, and I said, "What is this?" And it's about a kid who has dreams to meet his favorite animator, and he gets to the studio, and the animation studio is closing down. And he winds up, I'll take over. 
And sure enough, uh, funniest show about a, um, a, a an animator, right? Yeah. Oh, Gary Coleman, not the actor. Oh, Gary Coleman, the actor from yeah. uh, the comedy show. I thought you were saying Gary Oldman. No, no, Coleman. Great actor. I get it. Wow. Oh, that I've never seen. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, you know, a lot of times they'll take the great television. Yeah, I know. And try to make it. God, the witch. Um, oh, they did that. Um, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, the witch. They, uh, my God, they even make cartoons out of Planet of the Apes, you know. Star yes, they did. Yes, they did. That was in the 80s, right? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, again, knowing history is very yeah. important. Oh, yeah. At the time the, this Gary o, a Coleman show was made yeah. in, in the 70s and 80s, the people who started getting work then yeah. were students, a lot of students yeah. I had, uh, that went on to do uh, working in animation then on a lot of the Hanna-Barbera television shows, on a lot of the filmation, on, on working at Disney. Uh, these were kids who helped me out when I was making little animation who wound up being the world's greatest animators. But what they all had in common is they knew the history of, of what preceded them. And not only in animation and the nine old men uh, and their techniques, but in the idea of what made for timing and comedy. Yeah. And uh, so... It's not just personality. That's part of it, at least for a lot of people. How do you transfer that? Yeah. And I, like I said, two kinds of animations. Beavis and Butthead, from what I know, people who worked on it uh, told me there would be a scenario. Yeah, okay. They, oh, you're a great writer, comedic, you would write one. Gee, maybe uh, they're watching television. Uh, this was an episode, my friend, uh, did a treatment on uh oh they're watching an episode uh, or they're watching television and a non-alcoholic beer comes on a commercial and and guys are getting you know their love interest just from drinking this stuff so as stupid as they are oh, we had that let's go get some and that was it yeah and the whole episode was written how they go get it and uh, the cop busts them, and then are you kids really stupid? This is non-alcoholic beer, you know what I mean? I mean, just like stupid gag. Yeah, but I got it. Animators filled in those gaps. Oh, yes. Okay, they're watching television. Oh, let them do this. Let them slurp a, a, a pizza. Blah 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 blah. Oh, then they go to the Seven Eleven. Okay, so it's broken down by visual gags. The other animation is a scripted show. Simpsons, uh, I would think Steven Universe. Yes. Uh, and basically what you hear is what you see. Yeah. And the flexibility of that is all in the pre-planning, the story. Storyboard and... Uh, timing the board, board, revising the board, changing the script and getting it up to... In case one, if they don't do it in-house, they could send it uh, anywhere in the world and it could come back 
exactly to what you see as far as the animatic. Animatic to your audience is the timing of a visual timing of a storyboard. Uh, we do a class in that. Yeah, start to finish. And stuff. Um, yes, by the way, we do two classes at SBA. I do an intro to animation, um, a three and a half hour class, and it's me and then a very special class. It's called um, uh, Putting It All, to All Together, uh, Digital Animation Motion Graphics, and I do with a Cat Llewellyn, I'm Martin Abrams, and it's a very heavy class. In, in motion graphics and making a portfolio. And drawing. You're still doing the pen and paper. And learning drawn animation as well. And what you do with it, it's not just a graphic class. Anyway, plug, bum bum. Anyway, um, so the idea of, get back to what we're talking, wonderful what you're bringing up. Um, you got to appreciate it, right? Oh, I really do. I, I'm sorry to turn around on you. I can really... Tell me what some of your influences are for your comedy and art. Like for comedy, I have like two lists. So like I like for uh for like stand-up, I like um I take a variety of like different types of style and uh, and humor and like try to like see what I resonate with most from each of it. So like Anthony Drizzleneck as a shot comic, Chris Rock for his writing skills. Oh gotta love him. Yes. Oh, it's Pete Davidson. Oh, Pete, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's very dry. Um, I, um, yes, I, I, that could be another yes. Yeah, and uh, I, um, I know but, he's playing Joey Ramone. Yeah, but, uh, but I knew Joey. I mean, I did a lot of punk bands, Stiff Baiters, Dead Boys. Yeah, I don't know if your audience even knows who I'm talking about. Was Some do. And uh, I did a lot of videos with Steve Lords in the New Church. And, and I knew that whole scene. I, I, friends of mine, uh, he may be good. Yeah, he could be maybe do a good Joey Ramone. I like that one gag he does over and over and over. And did I say over again on SNL? Yeah. Oh, you're talking to me? What? I got it. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Um, I was impressed somewhat with, again, that same character. Yeah, uh, I like more um, two-dimensional, maybe. I got it, yeah. You know, like three-dimensional. Yeah. I got what you're saying. I got what you're saying. I got what you're saying. Have you seen Pete Davidson stand, ever do stand-up? Yeah, I saw him do an hour two years ago. Okay, what was that like, may I ask? It was bizarre to watch. Okay. It was so uneven um, because he told a lot of really long stories. There were like, I counted, there were like eight minute joke stories with like the strongest punchline I can ever land on. But you're taking eight minutes to get to one punchline, like a one word of the punchline. So that's like, <laughs> in my book, you can maybe make like five jokes that are just as strong as that, those long stories. You know, I'm a weird person in the yeah. sense that I don't get jokes. Oh, <laughs> I'm oh, so wow. weird like this. My, my old man, my father would tell jokes all that. Friends, they tell jokes all the time. And I'm like, huh? What? Okay. 
And and it's like, Marty, blah, 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 blah. And it was like, yeah, but give me the sight gag. <laughs> I don't have to think. But okay. yeah, I could imagine. Uh, I like that character and I would miss not seeing Pete Davidson on SNL. Um, but um, for the there's answer- dry, they, they use the word, there's dry comics. Yeah, no, obviously. Stephen Wright, right? And now, what's his name? Not Stephen Wright, right? No, Stephen Wright is one of them. Yes, very dry, right? Very. Simon Pegg. Yeah, but even uh, there used to be a show. Uh, tell ask your grandparents, people out there, okay. called the Ed Sullivan Variety Hour. It was one of Sunday. It was like no one did anything else but watch the Ed Sullivan Variety Hour. And he gave a lot of breaks. Yeah. Young comics. Uh, Woody Allen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But he also had very dry comics. Oh, I wouldn't uh, know any of them. uh, uh, No, but to answer your question about my favorite animations or like animated shows right now, DC's Young Justice, Rick and Morty. And my last one I'll have to pick is I'm rewatching entirely from start to finish Samurai Jack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did, did, did that guy have a new show? Several. Samurai? I didn't watch any of them. Well, well, yeah. How did it play? Was it? It wasn't the same. Wait, wait. You mean the reboot? Oh, maybe it's the reboot he did. Yeah, he did yeah. the reboot three years ago. That's and I, I I didn't watch it then, so I'm trying to rewatch yeah. it from start to finish to get to the reboot. Right, right, right. No, the beautiful design. Great. Started it off. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I love. Love, love the pop culture that your you and your generation, and even younger than you, were doing, and and those are the kids that are taking uh, the day program in animation, the BFA at SVA and other schools to really work in that business. Uh, where when I did animation, I never expected to do commercial, but I was a freelancer, so I could do a lot of different gigs. Uh, where I think a lot of the generation now wants to have that cohesive television show. and Yeah, uh, that's a thing now. You know, and migrated. And I think it comes from um, the love of storytelling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. That uh, younger than you, and and you're young. uh, No, around your age, the students I had when I did day school at SBA, uh, their BFA animation. I do the evening now. Um, yes, a lot of them want to work in television and do uh, that show. We were very, very lucky uh, that we were instrumental at school uh, to Dana Terrace, who's now a big director out of Disney television, um, and Rebecca Sugar. And not to mention uh, Chris and Shannon Panowski. Uh, have Tim Mouse, and they have—they—they've done so many shows on television, and they have so many television shows they've done from Super Jail. Um, oh God, I find Super Jail to be so a, a headache to watch. It's too noisy. Yeah, but no, no, I'm going back, but I'm talking about stuff on the air right now. Um, all pop culture and animation and cartoons are surely pop culture. Um, and they reflect the times, <clears throat> and they're 
form of entertainment that generation by generations fall in love with. And um, it's wonderful. And I'm so proud to have trained people that are really taking it further, carrying on, taking the animation. But one always must have respect for the brilliance of the, what we, we discussed, the comedy, the great art. Uh, God, I'm looking here on the tip mouse uh, show. It goes beyond. Wow. <laughs> Chicago Party Ant, uh, Star Trek, season two. Oh, my God. Wow. Leisure, oh, God. The Alligator Boy, Area 21, Pandemia. <laughs> I don't know. Just so many. So much. Midnight Gospel. Wonderful. Black Panther they did. Wow. Um, and beyond, uh, Black Dynamite. My so God, they even did a season of Rick and Morty. Uh, so they're doing a lot of other people as well as their own shows. But tipmouse.net, you would be blown away on me. I uh, probably will. I'm probably going to check they, it out they later. Have listed here. Um, uh, Marty. Yeah. We, we have the full hour. You want to like uh, give the last words before uh, we close the oh, episode? Oh, it is. Out? We've done. Oh no, I'm so sorry. I took up. That's fine. No, it's fine. I need. Is there any hour. loose ends? We, we uh, you could always edit. But is there any loose ends that I didn't answer for you? No, we got all of the bullet points within an hour. Oh, good. And um, Martin Abrams. I even have a blog spot. I'm making art now. I do a lot of layered comic inspired. Uh, Arden, I'm very happy doing that. I'm also messing around with old school. You can't see me, but look. Freddy, glasses. Red and blue glasses. And uh, I show in galleries. I'm collected. And um, a lot of my work uh, still exists. My music video, I pioneered that. Uh, like I said, I was always the outsider, the insiders. But I feel a lot of the stuff I broke ground on uh, really became uh, an easier way of doing it now in animation, uh, both for motion graphics, television, experimental. And, um, and I still love teaching at SBA, part of their continuing ed. And um, I think you're great, Matteo. Thank I you. I've always been impressed with you. Thank you. And uh, not only am I and all with your talent as an artist and comedian, stand up. But I think of you as a, a good friend. You're, 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 you're wonderful people, you know that. Oh, thank you. And that's yeah, been another cool, installment cool. of Let Us Be Idiots. Danger! Danger! Representing on Let Us Be Idiots podcast. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Luby, you be raw, that's a real guess, that's a real guess. But I'ma stay a fool, so let's be idiots. Let's be idiots. I'ma stay a fool, let us be idiots. Let us be idiots. I'ma stay a fool, let us be idiots. They ask me how I do it, keep them coming with that hot flame. Dames take the reins, act a fool with my pin pains. Only place I do it is the show that gets the silliest. Tired of being stuffy, so I say let us be idiots. Y'all about to know that I'm the monster with the sick. Call me PMS, probably million stacking, no, no Let's go, drop lava rocks, burning infinite Keep these bastards angry, angry bastards just don't give a ish Lighting their ways up, bring the real deal I feel we too much, make them all squeal Mohill in my clutch, make them out and now Ruby lighting it up, got you saying well Lindy, you be 
world, that's a real that's a real kid. But I'ma stay a fool, so let's be idiots. Let's be idiots. I'ma stay a fool, let us be idiots. Let us be idiots. I'ma stay a fool, let us be idiots.